Welcome to Pursuing Justice. I'm Harriet Handel. Our theme for the next four shows will be college programs for those who are serving time in prison. There are about 15 to 20 programs in the country um, that are linked to colleges. And these, these programs offer a chance to earn a BA or a BS to people behind bars. The cost is approximately 8,000 per student, but it varies depending on the college and the state. A real bargain in many ways. We do know that improving a person's education in prison improves their chances of staying out of prison after their release. It improves their chances of supporting themselves and their family. Plus, it strengthens ties between an, an incarcerated parent and their children. Today, we will meet Eliza Cornejo, Executive Director of the Goucher Prison Education Partnership, and that is located in Baltimore, Maryland. Eliza oversees the entire organization. She was recently named to the Higher Education in Prison Cohort Program and honored as one of Baltimore's Business Journal's 40 Under 40. Our second guest is Ramika Robinson Peoples, a former student with the Goucher Program. She has a full-time job as Goucher Prison Education Partnership Senior Site Director and is finishing her BA at Goucher's main campus and completing an internship at the Smithsonian Museum of American History. Good to have you both with us today. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. You're very welcome. Let's begin with you, Eliza. Why don't you give our listeners an overview? I know you you call the program GPEP because it's it's a mouthful. Uh, an overview of the Goucher program from its start in 2012, and tell us why a program like this really matters. So Goucher is a, a small independent college located in Baltimore, Maryland, as you mentioned. And Goucher started as a women's college at a time when uh, it was in 1885 when Goucher started. And that was a time when women weren't typically provided access to higher education, especially in high quality, rigorous schools like Goucher. And so it was a it was a bold move at the time to include women in higher education. And in 2012, it was again a bold move to provide uh, this incredible education to individuals who are incarcerated in prisons in Maryland. Since that time, um, much more schools have begun getting into this work, and it's really exciting to see how, um, how much more widespread access to higher education for those who are incarcerated has become in the past decade. Um, and Goucher's mission since since the beginning and what it continues to be moving forward is to provide an, this excellent college education to these dedicated, very talented students who are incarcerated, incarcerated in state prisons in Maryland. We provide access to academic tutors across the disciplines, academic advising, office hours with professors, and every material that students could need from their courses, from pens and copy paper to textbooks and microscopes. And as 
they earn their education, students are developing as scholars and leaders in their communities, whether that's inside the prison or in their communities once they come home, um, and their families and the Goucher, the, the entire Goucher community is is really enhanced and, and benefits incredibly from their scholarship and their their work. Oh, that's great. Now, one of the things I wanted you to, to talk about is um, the whole issue of um, who pays for this. And I wanted you to talk about the Pell Grants that had disappeared um, some time back under uh, former President Clinton, but were brought back by Obama on the, uh, the Second Chance uh, Bill. So could you tell us a little bit about the funding and, and how that works? Yeah, so in, in 1994, during the tough on crime era, students who were incarcerated were not able to access Pell Grants. Federal, Pell Grants are federal money that supports students who need the additional support to attend college. And students across the country use these Pell Grants um, to make college affordable. From 1994 until 2016, no incarcerated student was able to access their Pell Grants because of this tough on crime bill. And it meant that almost every single university or college that was operating in a prison prior to 1994 had to close because they lost a huge chunk of their funding. Goucher was very grateful to be able to start in 2012 without Pell Grants. And at that time, 100% of the funding that made students' education possible came from individual donations, from generous philanthropy, and uh, private grants secured by GPEP staff. And starting in 2016, Goucher was one of 67 colleges who was accepted into the Second Chance Pell grant pilot, um, which allowed those specific schools to have uh, Pell Grants access for their students. So that now covers about 20 to 25 percent of Goucher's funding for GPEP students and the other 75 to 80 percent continues to come from philanthropy and, and private grants and I'll also say we're very grateful to have in-kind support from the college for things like the office I'm sitting in right now, um, our phone lines that, that definitely support and, and make this work possible. And you mentioned that it was it's a it's around eight thousand dollars a year to fund a student's education which is far lower than a lot of other college educations um, parts to have looks at. Absolutely, oh my goodness, yeah. Um, right. We're able to keep those costs low because we are very careful with every dollar that we have. We, um, re we rely on hundreds of hours of volunteers, both in our office and in the prisons, um, providing academic support and also administrative support. We get a lot of donations of textbooks and we reuse those textbooks for years and years and years. So we're very careful with every dollar that we have, which makes it possible for us to keep our costs low and, and provide an excellent education for a really low cost. Are there corporations that are interested in supporting your program at Goucher as well? Right now, all of our funding does come from um, private grants and, and donations, not from corporations and the only federal grants that we have come from um, the, the Pell Grants. I see. Okay. So your program serves two prisons. Which ones? We offer classes in the Maryland Correctional Institute of Jessup, which is a men's facility 
and the Maryland Correctional Institute for Women, which is something that makes GPEP unique, even within this field that is um, somewhat unique of college and prison. 50% of our students are men and 50% are women, um, which is uh, allows us to maintain those ties to really focusing on providing a strong education for women as well um, th through, through offering classes at the only women's uh, state prison in Maryland. Right. And, and can you give me an idea or give our listeners an idea? How many students are we talking about that are enrolled in the program? We've had over 300 students take mm -hmm. classes with Goucher um, at, for at least two semesters. And we have about 130 students enrolled at any time. Gee, that's terrific. So um, in terms of the, the cost, um, I was reading an article about... Um, New England and their states in New England today. Um, I hadn't seen it before. And it was interesting to me that the cost of tuition in say Connecticut, that was one of the New England states is 8,000, but in New Hampshire, it's 2,800. And in Massachusetts, 7,500. So it does, it does vary, it does vary. Um, this, this is um, a, a sticky kind of question, but I've heard people who voice objections to what I would call, many would call a free ride for prisoners. Can you speak to that point of view? Yeah, I mean, everyone should have access to a high quality education. It shouldn't be an either or, and it shouldn't be either people who are incarcerated or people who are not incarcerated should be able to have access to an affordable college education. In fact, many correctional officers come from the same or similar communities that people who are incarcerated are also coming from. So if we recognize that this population needs access to affordable higher education, we know that that other population also needs it. Um, and we actually hold spaces in every time that we run admissions, we hold spaces for correctional officers to apply alongside the um, prospective students who are incarcerated. And we hold two spaces in each of those cohorts. Um, and that is in recognition of exactly the, the point that you're raising. There's incredible need for high quality education in this country. And this is one of those areas being addressed, but it doesn't mean that there are not other areas that also need um, to be restructured and reimagined so that everyone can have access to this kind of an education. Do corrections officers um, take you up on that and apply? They do. We, we don't currently have any enrolled, but we have had some fantastic students who were correction officers enrolled in the past and they take classes alongside students who are incarcerated as peers and they work together on their papers and projects and mm. assignments. And um, often students talk about correctional officers bringing in a paper that they're working on for a class they're taking outside of the prison in a school unrelated to Goucher and asking student, Goucher students to help mm. them edit their papers and get them up to par before they submit <laughs> them. There's definitely um, over the past decade been a a bubble and a community that's been built within both of the prisons of academia and focus on learning across lines that otherwise are harder to cross. 
Yeah, that's that's great. In that same article about it was a 36 page article all about the New England um, states and their approach to education for prisons. And uh, it was written uh, under the umbrella of the New England Board of Higher Education in 2021. And what was interesting to me was it said 64% of Americans support funding for education in prison. So, you know, you, you have to wonder, maybe people, you know, have begun to change their mind. Uh, certainly, I hope so. It's much better than building prisons uh, is to put money into something like this. So um, who teaches these uh, courses and what kind of feedback uh, do you get uh, from the professors in terms of the kind of students they are teaching behind prison walls? Um, over 100 different professors have taught with GPAP to date. So there's lots of different people who have taught lots of different courses. Many professors come back semester after semester. And in fact, I was just talking with a professor um, a couple weeks ago who said that she was thinking about leaving the field of academia. She was feeling disillusioned with the work and was trying to find something that was going to bring more meaning into her life. And she started teaching with GPEP and that was the thing that made her stay at Goucher. She was a, she was a professor on Goucher's main campus and she's taught a bunch of classes. Students love her courses. Um, and that was the thing that made her feel like this work is meaningful. This is something that I want to continue doing. And I, I heard the same thing from another Goucher professor last week that this has been his the most profound teaching experience that he's ever had. And what really bring joy into his profession. So pro professors are coming from Goucher's main campus. They're also coming from colleges and universities nearby, the University of Maryland, Johns Hopkins. Mm. Um, and the courses that they teach are, we do offer college preparatory courses that build the foundation that students need in order to be ready for the, the level of education and um, expectation that we have for them at Goucher. Um, but other than those very specific college preparatory courses, every course that we offer through GPEP is a course from the Goucher catalog. So we are offering courses in, Amer in um, political science, their math requirement, every student needs to take three masters of Spanish, their art requirement, every single thing that any Goucher student needs in order to meet their general education requirements and their major requirements, GPEP students are also expected to meet. All right. Well, now I would very much like to turn the program over to Ramika, our second guest, and she is going to um, tell us a little bit about her experience. So Ramika, why did you choose to participate in GPEP in the first place? Well, I was incarcerated um, and back in 2002 um, when I left. Uh, my children were two and three years old. Um, I had dropped out of high school to have children. Um, and then shortly after, um, was incarcerated. I, when I arrived at MCIW, there were very minimal opportunities available um, in regards to higher education. Um, I was felt stagnated, I felt very idle, um, and I felt this need to better 
my life, um, improve my situation. Um, and the only thing that was available at that time for me was to pursue education in, uh, in prison. Um, in addition to that, um, I felt as if I had let so many of my family members and peers down. And this was a way of me, a way for me to extend the olive branch to my community, to my family, to my friends, to my children, um, while bettering myself. So essentially it was just a, a win-win um, opportunity, not just for myself, not just for my children, but my family and also the community abroad. Um, and that, that was the reason why mm -hmm. I chose to pursue college and prison. And when was that? When, at what point uh, in your incarceration did you enroll? I first enrolled in, I was a part of the initial uh, cohort that started in 2012. Oh, well, that's a good while back. And so when did you get out of prison? I was released from prison in 2005, I'm sorry, yeah, 2015, I in see. the summer of 2015. So, and I believe I left the institution with a total of 24 credits, if my oh. memory serves me correctly. Yeah. And so you, you couldn't finish because uh, you didn't have the time, but um, what was your main focus when you began your your program at Goucher, uh, your major? My, uh, my main my main focus, meaning uh, what I am studying? Yes. Okay. I am, I am a, a junior standing. Uh, my major is in business management with a minor in sociology, anthropology. Wow. Um, and I restarted my academic journey in 2017. I see. I see. So uh, you restarted, meaning that you're now trying to uh, complete your degree. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. When I was released in 2015, um, I came home like many other women with a slew of responsibilities, rebuilding my family, um, becoming uh, the initial breadwinner again in my household. So the first things on my list was to seek employment. Um, so the first two years post-release, I worked uh, odds and end jobs um, at in the service um, field. And then GPEP posted a hire, uh, job for a coordinator planning and special projects. I applied for the full-time position. I was hired in 2017. So actually my first day as a full-time employee with GPEP was also my first day on campus in my first oh. class. Wow, <laughs> so it was exciting. a rough day, but um, I wouldn't trade it in for the world. Yeah. That's fantastic. So now um, what can you describe the job that you, you have um, now? Um, so again, I started in 2017 as a coordinator of planning and special projects for GPEP. Um, 
five years later, I am now the senior site director for GPEP. Um, I coordinate logistics with the prisons and stakeholders um, and make sure that the students' needs are met. Um, I uh, manage two other um, GPEP staff members um, and we pretty much coordinate together. Um, that one person is a volunteer manager and the other one is our student records manager. So we all work together collaborative to make sure that the students have um, their, their needs are met, whether that's materials, whether that's documentation, um, assistance with FAFSA, um, all while managing and maintaining robust relationships with DPSCS staff and other stakeholders. I see. Wow. Very uh, heavy job. I know we tried to speak uh, so I could kind of meet you before you know <laughs> we recorded and you were inside yeah. um, the prison from six to nine one, one evening. How often do you have to do that? Uh, twice a two days out of a week. So on Tuesdays oh. and Wednesdays, um, I advise, I forgot to mention that I advise. So I have a student body um, that I, a portion of a student body in whom which I advise. And that's um, Tuesdays from six to eight at MCIW. And then again, Wednesday, six to nine at MCIJ. Um, and then last week we hosted uh, two site visits for our uh, donors and stakeholders and uh, potential partners so that they could come out and see uh, the work of GPEP uh, behind the scenes. So mm. it's been it's it's been a very adventurous two weeks, I would say. But like all things GPEP, I wouldn't trade it in for the world. It was so, very rewarding work, I must so, say. So you're juggling your own college program with your job, right? Yeah. Right. And then how old are the your kids at this point in time? Uh, interesting. So I have my daughter now is uh, 26. And what? She's 26. Oh my uh, goodness. I have a good grandbaby, a son. Um, she's due February 7th. Oh my, my goodness. Son is 25. I have a granddaughter that is 17 months. Oh and my, my baby is 14 months so yeah it's, Gee, yeah that's incredible <laughs> so they they must look at you and and be so proud of your goals uh in life and and what you're doing right now especially in terms of your education i would think right yeah some of one of the most proudest moments I, i've ever had and it literally brought to the open the floodgates um, for me um, was when we were having a, a family outing and we were at dinner and my kids looked at me and they said, um, mom, we're so proud of you. Aww, um, and for the longest time and still to this day, I beat myself up because I feel like I, I left my children um, and post release. Our relationship was a little rocky. There was a lot of feelings about issues around abandonment. Um, and it just felt really good that they were able to see the work that I am doing, to see the transformation, to witness it firsthand, and 
to forgive me um, for for my past mistakes um, that which led me to not be present in their lives. Um, I appreciate that on so many levels. It gave me the permission to keep going. Um, it allowed me to feel as if I um, am making a difference. I know that I know the difference that I'm making in the students' lives because I see it. I see it every day. But it's something. It's something special about having that validation from your children, sure. um, and hearing those words that we forgive you and we're so proud of you. Um, it makes me want to continue to get my work, PhD, work, hard. <laughs> right, get, right. work harder, you know, and continue to like build and allow them to see that in life you may make mistakes, you may fall down, but the important piece is that you get back up you um and you you continue to try your best no matter what obstacles are are you're faced with or are in your way there are second chances and there there is uh, a chance to change your situation you just have to be consistent you have to be um physically and mentally fit to do so but that there are people in this world that are willing to invest in you when they see that you're invested in yourself and you're right. worth being invested in. So right. I, I am. Yeah. All right. Well, we are out of time, Ramika, but I do have things I'd like to ask you. Uh, you both said you'd re return and speak to us some more. So we will wrap up today's podcast and we will see you next time on pursuing justice. Thanks for listening to my podcast today. You have been listening to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio. And I'm your host, Harriet.